this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Welcome to Pickle Me This, the officially unofficial podcast for Rick and Morty on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm Aaron. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today we're covering Season 5, Episode 3, A Rick Convenient Mort. Here's Aaron with the recap. While out on a mission to create some custom merch, Rick and Morty encounter Planetina, a sentient amalgam of Earth's elements summoned by an ethnically diverse group of teenagers called the Tina Tears to fight pollution and environmental harm. Morty takes all of five seconds to fall deeply in love. Morty's infatuation with the potentially five billion year old Planetina is a problem for Beth, which leads her and Morty to being at odds and Morty running away from home. Meanwhile, Morty's Twitter patient with Tina causes Rick to be left without a wingman on his ambitious sexual tour of three dying worlds. All three are just moments away from suffering a planetary cataclysm that will wipe out all life in their systems, and they are responding by throwing a hedonistic ragers against the dying of their light. Rick drafts a newly heartbroken Summer to join him on his back and all, but will their troubled grandpa-granddaughter relationship survive the experience? Will Morty save the planet or at least notch a positive relational experience with Planetina? All right, Jim, we've both seen season five, episode three, a Rick convenient Mort. Mm-hmm. Well, what did, what did you think of this episode? Uh, I'm I, I was an unironic fan of Captain Planet back in the day. Uh, all right. Back in the all 90s. right. So, Hot you take. know, if, if they're going to riff on Captain Planet in a fun uh, and violent way, I'm down for it. And I thought this was pretty fun if you know it's not as good as last episode i really enjoyed the the decoy episode but this was yeah enjoyable enjoyable i, I don't know how it's not like super important right to rick and morty's uh development i i don't know maybe maybe the teenagers rebelling against their parents a little more is is being amped up you know rick's stoking those flames but yeah i fun. think it's kind of important maybe from a Morty perspective and it's like the development of his relationship with his parents and whatnot like that. But right. you know, like shit, what is and is not important on the show. Yeah. Um, it's not a, the evil Morty continuity that people are looking for. Certainly. Uh, it, although I, th- I think you could like, there's some people trying to draw like, you know, the, the, the punnet squares of which evil things and which traumas are adding oh. up to being a Rick and more. Yeah. There's people, to people doing that Rick, uh, or Morty evil. Yeah. People doing the evil Morty math <laughs> on that stuff. Um, sure. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like it's, uh, I think this episode would have been even funnier had the funny, is it funnier die or college humor version of Captain Planet starring Don Cheadle had not existed. Oh, yeah. Uh, because yeah. the concept of like Captain Planet just having a fucking nuff of this bullshit and snapping uh-huh. and turning everyone into trees or whatever. Yep. Uh, it's, you know, it's uh, that's that's been in our that that's 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 been tread ground, uh, surprisingly enough, um, or mm-hmm. maybe not surprisingly, given the Internet and the way it works. But uh, 
I thought it was pretty good. It wasn't as funny as I was expecting, but it had a lot more heart. It's one of those ones that just got has kind of like a, a an ultra depressive, uh, depressing ending. Where it's you've hilarious. Got, you know, that you said it has more it has more heart because there was less heart in this i remember there were actually five kids in captain planet and one of them was heart who is conspicuously absent right now yeah they uh lavar burton just absolutely refused to reprise <laughs> his role wasn't he wasn't I he heart i i, I don't can't remember i don't know. i can't remember which kid was the heart because i wasn't allowed to watch it oh what it, I mean, it's that, magic rings. Seriously, it had to be right. What well, you think? Oh, are technology based? Who Come knows? On. Come on. And who is this Captain Planet saving the wor- world <laughs> when we know that the real savior of, of uh, Paradise Earth is going to be uh, Yahweh? Um, but but yeah, I, I, I liked it. I I thought, um, it, like I said, I was expecting things to be a little bit funnier, but sometimes Rick and yeah. Morty like to, to go with the, the heart or some poignancy. And I thought uh Mm-hmm. It's a lot of good stuff. If you are suffering uh, the end of a relationship or if you are a teenager um, or can re- relate to being a teenager, not being understood by your family or really any of your friends or anyone oh, at school, yeah. I think this stuff probably uh, resonated pr- pretty well. Um, there was one yeah. really funny scene. Uh, one of the funniest things I've seen this season is uh, Rick and Summer eating ass in the, the ship. Yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, talking about what they'll be like. Uh, uh-huh. That was pretty good. I, was, then, I really like the some of the verbal puns of Morty walking in to the uh, the rest of the Tina Tears trying to sell Planetina to a uh, an individual Arab person who's not really representing any group. Uh, him yeah. walking in and saying, I got a cheesy Italian extra crispy for you. <laughs> yeah. Referring to the fire guy. He just lit up. Um, that that was that was pretty fun, and a lot of fun uh, voice cameos. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, Allison Brie uh, hmm. as Planetina, who I think they've got damn near all of the community cast to do voiceovers, except for maybe Donald Glover. Uh, no, definitely Donald Glover's not been on a show. Huh. I think Wonder this why. this might com- complete the set. Um, but yeah, the uh, Steve Buscemi. As yep. uh, the the cheesy Italian that, Fire. The, that got yeah. extra crispied. Um, Brandon Johnson, fr- frequent uh, uh, contributor to Harmontown and and uh, voice actor on the show. Mm. And then uh, th- th- this was the first first episode directed by longtime friend of Dan Harmon, Rob Schraub, who joined the writing room last year. Um, Rob Schraub is a nut is a fucking certified nut. He once filmed a uh, parody of Jaws 4 starring his penis as the Jaws and a giant orange um, as Michael Caine. And that orange got <laughs> fucked by the end of that movie. Hmm. You can you can Google it. You can Google it if you want. No, um, thanks. <laughs> but uh, that man wrote wrote a script with with, uh, with a lot of heart. He's also the voice of the... Uh, Diesel, uh, what what is his name? The Diesel, Diesel Weasel, rat. Yeah. Diesel Weasel. That's right. Wrong rodent. Uh, it's not a rat. He's a weasel. Um, so I'm I'm interested to see more of his because he's a little bit more of a Royland, um, uh, in, in terms of like zany antics. Um, but he also can do con. Maybe he is the actual, the fully integrated blend of of Dan and and Justin. Who knows? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Do you want to do uh, Morty and Planetina or do you want to do uh, Rick and Sumsum, the Summerfest? I'll start with Rick and Summer. That's a little less uh, impactful. Okay. Well, at at the at the uh, breakfast table where we a lot of times get the episodes going, it seems like uh, Summer is um, beside herself because Morty is making time with a planet thing. And she just got dumped right before a big pool party. And she's just major league depressed. Uh, but Rick has got a plan for her, um, a ridiculous plan involving three planets that are about to suffer a cataclysm. It's a, like a thick, uh, what is it? A sun exploding, a black hole, and a, and a, a deep impact comet scenario. Mm-hmm. And all three planets in this neighborhood are going to celebrate the end of their civilization with one last no sexual holds barred, morality consequence free, complete blowout of a party. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, that's what they're going to do. They're going to, um, they're going to go from planet to planet and just engage in, in meaningless sex. There's only three rules, no whining, no crying, and no getting attached. Um, a bonus goal, eating as much ass as you can. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah. What do you want to talk about as this, far as this goes? These are these parties, uh, into the world parties. This is what I hoped that the end of the world party in independence day would have been. Mm. Uh, but it was, it was quite a bit tamer than this. People like dressed up weird. That was basically the extent of the independence day party. And I don't know. I feel like anything you can see at any, uh, nerd con at this point is probably not end of the world material, Mm. but I guess maybe back in 1996 it was, I don't know. Yeah. So these like end of the world parties are much more what I picture when I think, Oh, cataclysmic event that can't be stopped. We're all dead tomorrow. We know the day and time. Just fucking go for it. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie Seeking a Friend for the End of the the World? I have not. Because that there's no like there's there's the the parties are confined to kind of like uh, the staff at TGIF no longer charging for mudslides. Right. uh, And getting super drunk and doing a bunch of drugs because there's no fucking imagination. Yeah, like it's uh, it, it's kind of but, but I although <laughs> it is interesting, like how certain do you have to be that your world is going before you do some of the things that we see in this episode? <laughs> Pretty sure. Like, look, California's on fire. I'm not out there fucking anybody in weird ways yet. Right. We'll, we'll talk when like it creeps over the the Rockies, like much less our fathers. Like, I don't. I, I yeah. feel like that that's not something you just even <laughs> no. even at the end of the world, you just do on a fucking whim. Right. Like, you know what? I uh, let's, let's try some let's try some gay incest. That's what we need to do. Uh, uh, Especially because my dad's that old. Was weird. Probably kill him. 
Wow. Well, okay. Uh, <laughs> hard problems. Yeah, that wouldn't go well. But uh, I guess it's father, the end of the world. Who my cares? father's old too, but he's had a quadruple bypass. He's probably good to go. Nice. But 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 like yeah, what the what the fuck? Like I keep I've I've heard there's this podcast. Like I I I've never I've never heard an episode called Come Town where they're like this is one of the running jokes like having gay, gay sex with your dad uh somehow. So I don't know if this is a Come Town cross cross contamination or it's just a Rick and like what is the weirdest uh most um you know profane taboo touching thing that you could suggest on on cable uh, tv um yeah weird though weird yeah Uh, for sure because yeah like i'm thinking that that's what i'm thinking like if uh, there was an asteroid coming to earth and they say it's going to hit uh, there's no way that the plant, the earth scientists would ever say there's a hundred percent chance it's going to happen. It'd probably be like, we're 93% sure that it's going to hit and it's going to hit in these. It's going to do this kind of devastation blow. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I just, I, it's plus it's like, it's de- Yeah. You have to desire, you have to have the desire to fuck your dad in the first place to act on it. Right. It's not just sure. like, ah, fuck it's in the world. Why not? Let's just, who knows? I, mm-hmm. it's, it's a weird, it's a weird space for the for the thing to go, or to get it's peed also, on. Like, oh, I don't know. There's several things back to back there that they're just like, yeah, I want none of that. Yeah, it's also interesting because sometimes I Rick and Morty is kind of like my moral barometer for like not not necessarily for who I am as a moral person, but like the things that I like get squicked out by. Hmm. You know, yeah. like uh, uh, just I got a little borderline squicked out of just Rick and Summer going on this giant fuck fest. Has and I I wondered is like is this something hmm. that like Rick and Morty have done? I know they've done an off screen adventure where they're going to pound a bunch of mermaid puss, but it's almost like always alluded to. And whenever like Rick is confronted with his grandson's sexuality, he's always kind of like appropriately disgusted by it, which you, you should be by fourteen year old sex life. Um, it's I mean this episode starts with them potentially going on a pussy pounding expedition right I mean that's based on their shirts that they're creating I think you're supposed to understand that this that, that Rick was going to take Morty on yeah this and then inter- he got infatuated with Plan- uh, Planetina and that whole yeah. thing was off so he needed somebody else yeah yeah so so there's a hastily modified t-shirts with uh, you know Rick and Summer <laughs> pussy pounders uh-huh. Uh, which turned out to be elbow licking. Um, I don't know. Like I said, yeah. I'm not. I didn't find that very funny. Did you find the the elbow <laughs> titties part funny? Because I I was indifferent to it. It's funny just because they pixelated it out, and it's supposed to you're yeah. supposed to use your imagination for how how amazing these elbow titties must be, and like what you can do with them that would cause Rick to be so, you know, uh, yeah, dependent on the elbow grease. <laughs> I don't know, man. It wasn't doing it for me. Sorry. Also, that voice, uh, Jennifer Coolidge, Stifler's mom. Really? Okay. Yep. Guest star. Uh, nice. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I did, but that's the thing. It's like, I kind of was like, well, okay, is it, do I believe that Rick's going to break the rules for this woman, that these elbow titties are this good or something, or she's so... But I, I guess, like, then my next thought is like, well... Rick doesn't really need that good an excuse to break his own rules. Yeah. Like the excuse can just be, I want to do it. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly the rules are for squares and blah, blah, blah. And so, so it's like, I think maybe the point is this is kind of dumb and, and uh-huh. Rick just doesn't care, but I don't know. Summer's reaction to elbow titties is maybe that they are, they are forced to be reckoned with. I guess so. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I I thought that uh, the her in her old speech about this is what you're up against. These are what wars were fought for. These are ruined kings. Uh, they've inspired presidents. I I thought that the I wanted to kind of take it at face face value. Um, I also really love some of the animation, like the sequence of summer diving into the (laughs) just writhing (laughs) fuck street of slugs and essentially swimming through those muscles and mucus to get to the, uh, (laughs) get to Rick saucer was, was pretty inspired. Then her just like pulling out of it and seeing all that thing. Does that landscape slide past? Yeah. Uh, Pretty rewarding for, for pausing and rewinding. There's a lot of like, again, I love an animator that would spend two or three work days on something that your average person seeing this is going to see for two or three frames, you know? Yeah, no, they're, they're great about that. The animation on the show yeah. is really good. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a hell of a lot of fun. Um, I also really, I really like the reaction to summer saving the day, both Rick's, which is, you know, mm-hmm. him admiring the fact that she would be so petty to, Save a planet, not just because she can. She can just literally put, put push a button and save the day, but particularly to fuck over Rick and his new and his new toxic relationship. Yeah. But I also really like the planet's reaction of like, fuck, yo, we got to live our lives now. We got to go to work <laughs> in the morning. Fuck. We got to look our fathers in the eye. Fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah. Which, you know, is, is what the stinger does. Right. How their moms, uh, the the. The uh, woman of the house is not talking to them because they're having the, the gay the previous sex, yeah. the gay yeah. incest, which yeah, uh, not- I don't know. That's that's probably a appropriate reaction for some amount of time. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you get over that one. I don't know yeah. how you reconfigure your stuff that that uh, is, is no longer an issue. But mm-hmm. um, I didn't think it was interesting because it seems like it's a deliberate juxtaposition of. Like society's working on sudden and sure doom. Like there's no yeah. talking your way out of the pit. It's happening. It's happening tomorrow versus society's struggling with very slow moving, uncertain inconvenience and man made as compared to universal catastrophic events. Right. Supernovas yeah. and black holes. Those are things we have no control over, whereas Planetina is fighting against the things that we do. Yeah, yeah. It's just I thought I think that there is like deliberate, but that's the thing. It's like I I don't know where the commentary because I was expecting this to say definitively one thing or another about like you know the climate and climate change and planetary destruction, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it said a lot, and I don't know what is the dominant voice here because like should mm-hmm. we just give up because we've already passed the point of you know because some some a minority of scientists have said that like. Turn off the lights. It's already too late. You know, we've we've started runway things that are going to make uh, this uh, the the shit that we've been dealing with the last five or ten years look like tiddlywinks. And there's really nothing we can do technologically to stop it. There's many more that say, no, no, no. We can certainly slow things down and, and kind of put the retro rockers rockets so that society can kind of soft land into some sort of state equilibrium in 50 years or so. And. And of course, there's the other very small minority that says, fuck it. There's nothing. Pro- there's no problems. Keep doing what we're doing. Um, right. Did you do you think that what do you think the, the show opinion is, if any? Uh, I think the show's opinion is that we're headed down a very bad road. Um, 
it's just what what are the solutions right because morty's very much like the pacifist don't solve it with violence type planetina is very much the solve it with violence because i've seen how this road goes if we don't solve it with violence because we've been Mm -hmm. doing it for 50 fucking years now Mm -hmm. she's been doing it for maybe five billion who knows Right. Uh, which let's just say if she's been monitoring the earth taking care of its ecosystems for 5 billion years she's done a shit job so far so she needed the right four teenagers to put her together man all she was is just a disembodied spirit before right I you probably could have got pl- in there the first time somebody rolled coal and maybe put a put the kibosh on that let's say or maybe the first time somebody <laughs> nah, uh, for, first time the cavemen started rubbing two sticks together just yeah, fucking get in there and just, blast them yeah Yep, yep. Keep that internal combustion. Keep all forms of combustion uh, under wraps, and yeah. and you got it. Just eat um, fish and vegetables, raw veggies. But I thought that was a. If we're going to shift over into the the next plot, the the mm-hmm. Rick and or the 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 Morty and, and Planetina plot. Um, you know Morty's point there about like, well, this is what it takes to save the planet. I don't want to. Like, if it takes mass murder, and there's some people that advocate for this, uh, like eco fascism. Uh, or eco-terrorism that like we need to just wipe off like 90% of the planet's uh, population, if not all of us. <laughs> and we need to have these rigid okay. blah, blah, blah. And we need a, you know, this, that, and the other, like if that's what it takes to save humanity, maybe, you know, or, or also maybe this is just a referendum on us as a species. Cause like, again, to, to, you know, to not put too fine a point on it, this planet's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Like no, no, nothing we do to it is going to be so bad, except for maybe all out nuclear war that other life won't thrive on it eventually. So what we're really talking about is the human experience on earth coming to an end or becoming very hard or hostile. And then like, if we, it's, there's kind of poetic justice to us doing it to ourselves. And like that justice is not averted. If like, you know, 0.1% of the planet just decides to take things over and impose this gun. I I don't know. I, I don't want it to be that way, but I also see the, the logic to us, us, you know, sleeping, in the bed that we've made oh for sure um i guess the question is like how hard do you fight for that it's like i i think of it as like a body's sort of immuno response to a disease like when you know parts Mm -hmm. of the body are rebelling against the body as a whole the body cuts that shit out uh it's merciless in cutting that shit out and like is that what our society needs to become right like the the immuno response of our society is well, this element of of the society is wrong and bad and killing the rest of it, so it's got to go. Uh, yeah. I don't know. There, there are, I think, there are points all around um, because you know we also don't want to turn into that ourselves, right? Because that could be a slippery slope. Uh, who how how who determines uh, who the bad guys are? Who needs to be uh, you know extricated from society and who does that? Um, all big questions that are hard to answer and like i i certainly don't want the responsibility of answering those but also i don't want our civilization to just completely disappear because we decided we'd rather sit on our butts and do nothing while a certain portion of it destroys what we have yeah i mean that's the thing like that i think that's the clicker the kicker right there rather um you know when they're when morty and planetine are talking to the coal miners and the coal miners like hey you people didn't have the votes but that kind of stuff um i think when we started democracy um like we envisioned like okay if you say that to someone's face when you're talking about whether you get bike lanes in the city or not 
Mm-hmm. Ah, fuck, we didn't get the votes, you know, we're not going to have a subway this year or we didn't get the funding for the stadium or, you know, we're going to have to cut back on the libraries. But when you're talking about like, hey, you people didn't get to vote. So we're stuffing these other people in the ovens or you people didn't get yeah. to vote. So we're going to let a very, very small uh, minuscule fraction of people just continue treating mm-hmm. the earth like it's like it's their fucking latrine. That's a little bit harder to swallow, especially when it's not like a huge majority. It's not like 90% of people want to do this 10%. It's when the, the odds are a lot. It, it, it's, it's, I don't know. Well, and it's not the only issue you're voting on, right? Like if, right. if you were to come to them and say, do you want to destroy the planet by doing these things? Everyone would say no. 99% of people would say absolutely not. But when you mix yeah. it up with 15 other uh, things that are affecting their daily life right here and right now. Yeah, like what and ask them to vote use. on that, they will yeah. maybe, you know, put off the sort of bigger issues in order to get some, you know, so, some thing for themselves today. So, like, yeah, we're we're short sighted. We're kind of stupid. We're a little bit selfish. But also, I think people would not choose, you know, not being able to get the votes for something does not mean people have chosen to do that thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's wild. And there's a couple other things I thought was interesting because, like, you know, Rick is always the smartest guy in the show and uh, or supposedly. And when he says stuff like he throws an aluminum can on the ground and Morty's like, Jesus Christ, not in front of Planetina. And he's like, it's a it's seven percent of the Earth's crust, Morty. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to need every atom like mm-hmm. that's not why we recycle aluminum. Recycle no. aluminum because like it's super energy efficient. Mm-hmm. Like it costs, like I don't know, something ridiculous, like 5% of energy to take uh, aluminum and recycle it back into aluminum than it does to like take raw aluminum and turn it into something you can create a product with. Get it out of the ground in the first place, right? We've already invested yeah. that money in getting it out of the fucking ground. Well, yeah. Why rip another mountaintop off when you can with all the environmental damage yeah. and spend the insane amount of electricity to get the stuff? Because I guess that's the that's the real draw. It's like um, turning aluminum into something usable just requires a shit ton of heat and power. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you can just melt an aluminum can and for a fraction of that, like, why wouldn't you? And I like, that's the thing that like, I don't know, like if, uh, you know, like uh, obviously Rick and Morty has a pretty diverse crowd of people watching it. And when you put the smart, you, you give the smartest guy on the show, even though he all is a nihilist and he also is not a, uh, you know, uh, not above doing dumb shit. I do wonder like what that does to the viewership. Like, do they think it's like, you know, a joke to recycle aluminum? Cause that's the other thing is like, right. It is kind of a joke. And I, this is something I'm sorry. I've been mentioning this on several podcasts because it's a true fact. I've just discovered and I'm fucking aghast because hardly anybody knows it. It is a joke. Our plastic recycling worldwide is literally a joke. Mm-hmm. As far as I can tell, we, we, we ask people to separate their plastics. They do kind of a shitty job of it. They don't really clean it to the net. And then the vast majority of those, those things just get plowed into the ground and landfills because there's no cost effective way to recycle plastic, but like glass and aluminum. Those are the like real and, and to extent any kind of scrap metal. That's the real success stories in recycling. And you're shitting on one of the biggest success stories by the smartest character in the room. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe an entertainment party foul a bit. Yeah, like are the people watching this thinking, oh, well, you know, Rick has an endless supply of seemingly free energy. He can create just entire species of beings to power his car. So maybe he could do that for 
whatever recycling or, or extraction or whatever. He could go out into space and get aluminum from the asteroids. Like, are you factoring all that in or are you just hearing, oh, aluminum, aluminum recycling is a stupid thing to do? Exactly. Because the vast majority of people, you're right, are probably hearing the latter. Right, right. And uh, that, I don't know, like to the extent that like, I, that's and that's the thing. It's like, so what's that going to do? Like, maybe there's a couple hundred people around North America who are going to start throwing their aluminum cans away and stop because Rick says it's stupid and there's 7% in the Earth's crust and all that stuff. I don't know. But it's 100 people that we probably don't need <laughs> contributing sure. to the problem. Uh but it's so weird because like there are a lot of like a lot of times when they have Rick do something kind of like counter to, I guess, you know, the accepted conventional wisdom, they'll like have a little wordplay showing to how, you know, like he uses the R, the R word and Morty's like, oh, you can't really do that. And more and Rick essentially gives a little sermon on like the true issue of the thing and how this wasn't what. You know, it's like there wasn't even that like, mm-hmm. you know, Morty, I, there wasn't any any back and forth that make Rick be clever. It's just that he shits on recycling. But <laughs> that's uh, it's Rick and Morty. It's a cartoon. What are you going to do? Oh, yeah. I mean, the whole episode is is cynical as hell about this. Right. I mean, look at the Planetina stuff with the kids and their marketing. Yeah. Do, doing cons with Planetina and marketing Funko Pops of Planetina and which are destined to be in landfills. I mean, is that, is, oh, that, is it's that plastic like vinyl is plastic? So like, sure, yeah, sure. <laughs> and like all these exclusive that are selling. I mean that, yeah, I mean, they're like taking shots at con culture there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can buy this exclusive thing for 50 bucks. It's going to be in a land farm. The fact that Morty is yeah. really only into the environment because he wants to get in Planetina's pants, which is a pretty and doing tried and true trope in, in cinema. Yeah, sure. I mean, always and, sunny and, does an episode about this. Oh, and then the fact that like he's he's not even helping, no. you know, in the grand scheme of things, scooping up one rabbit is not going to do anything, especially when you've got Planetina. And I think there's also a little bit of that. The fact that like I, that's another one of the tricks they use is to make us feel like as individuals, we're responsible for all this. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, part of the marketing of like the Captain Planet and here and the Planetina stuff is uh, you are the solution. Bullshit. Bullshit, we're yeah. not. I, I couldn't pollute enough in my entire lifetime to add up to one day worth of big industry pollution. It's just right. not going to happen. So, yeah, yeah, I'm not the problem. Yeah, especially since, again, like recycling when or we're talking about like recy- uh, plastics and, and a lot of paper products. Um, we've been doing kind of the quote unquote right thing for years and years, and it's not doing any good because it's by design, like the whole plastic recycling. Um, it's like so many other things turns out to be like a big business plot to make people think they're doing something when they're not really. So they won't affect their behavior because their behavior is yeah. making people rich. So, and that's the, that's the big thing about the environment is like, if you factored in all the externalities, all the, the trillions and trillions of dollars we're going to have to spend mitigating this. If we'd have, started 30 years ago factoring that in to our decisions then we could have made a lot of positive progress without you know on on a on a by a by comparative song mm-hmm. um but now we're going to be paying these bills um I, I don't know it's uh it's one of those things where yeah like they're, they're taking pot shots at people doing just um cosmetic you know environmentalism like uh, look at this one person that uh cleaned up a beach and threw away the trash and it looks good for one day and we should all do that. But you're right. Like as long as there's 8 billion people and the system set up to reward the, the, the short side of behavior, 
all the individual actions in the world are not going to go, uh, overcome that systemic problem. Um, yeah. But uh, again, this episode wasn't really about that. We've talked, you know, spent 30 minutes talking about this thing. And <laughs> right. It's, uh, you know, maybe there was 45 seconds of, of stuff in the ep- actual episode dealing of dealing with it. But yeah, um, I mean, it's it's of, yeah, you know, it's all like circling around that topic um and i think the episode has those things in mind when it's creating Mm -hmm. uh when it's being created but i don't think it you know sets out to address any of those specifically yeah they also uh, they're also an interesting question about whether morty acted virtuously by setting planetina free because on Mm -hmm. on the subsequent watches i noticed that there's this uh, throwaway line um, where he's texting Planetina at night and uh, he's like, oh, you looked really cute on the news. And she's like, oh, the plant, the Tina tears don't let me watch the news. It's too upsetting. It's entirely possible that the Tina tears kept Planetina from destroying the earth in her <laughs> wrath for th- the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. Like they're the ones that have to always talk her out of like going and, you know, sinking the oil fleets and and raising you know i don't know the oil fields of texas off the ground and they're like as teenagers they're barely keeping a lid on her and they as an adults are just like you know what we're just gonna forbid her from watching tv we're gonna keep her so busy on all this stuff that she can do to because what else (laughs) if you unleash her she's gonna wipe out all human life because of course she's going to well yeah is she gonna wipe out human life or is she gonna destroy the systems that are keeping them uh well fed let's say like it didn't look like the kids were hurting for much uh were were wanting for much uh they had this big fancy tour bus they were the ones like they just call her in she doesn't need to eat she doesn't need a house she doesn't need anything like that they are the ones who are benefiting from this status quo not her so like keeping her complacent seems to be some analog to you know what business is doing to the the people in our society there's this interesting, I, th- it's, I can't remember if it's a short story or, or a comic, but they postulated, you know, like Superman, like the world scientists come to Superman. They're like, look, we've done the math and we've gr- we've we've created this massive generator that has a crank that only you can spin because you're Superman. And mm-hmm. if you just crank this thing all day, all night, it will it will generate enough power to essentially solve all the world's problems. There won't be like, we can use electrolysis to separate seawater from freshwater. We can power all of our cities or will be no war for, and Superman like weighs it. And he's like, okay. Um, So instead of saving the, like, you know, people individually saving the people going off cliffs in their cars and doing all that kind of diverting new, he's just, he just, he just spins this crank and that's his job as to generate free planet for the plant for free energy for the planet. But it's the thing. It's like, it's asking a maximum sacrifice for one person. Like this one person who can do yeah. anything most powerful of us is reduced to just turning a crank. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that is like for him as Superman. Is Even this a comic saves, book like, plot or did you come up with yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, he's, he's, say, it's it's, it's like part it. of the plot is, is, is like, you know, think about what it's like to be Superman. And also like once the world, what is Superman like? Uh, he ushers in his golden age of this new technology and stuff. So eventually the world doesn't even need him to turn the crank. So then Superman is like hmm. literally okay. superfluous. It's, it's, he's, he's ruling over this peaceful world. It seems like if Planetina wants to solve the Earth's fucking energy problems, maybe she needs to stop torching miners alive and maybe she needs to start turning that fucking crank. Like, what like, would that look like, like? Yeah, like I don't know. Some kind of at the North Pole, some kind of massive uh, 
generator that she turns and powers all but but like she's got superpowers and the best thing you can think of is like torch people again uh, also at the wrong end she's going after the i guess she did set one senator's house on fire but even then that's the lackey (laughs) the senator's not running the fact like you know go attack the root of the problem um yeah, but it's I, it's pretty it's pretty tangled in corruption uh, when you talk about government and business. I think those are those are all uh, I don't know valid targets in her mind certainly. Uh, but yeah, I, I get you. It's like those miners are just trying to survive. I get that. It's not like you need to go there and torch them. You could have removed them from the equation by I don't know scooping them up and flying them uh, away, and then come torch the mining facility. Yeah, you could collapse. You could make sure everyone's out. Collapse tunnels, destroy all the equipment. Essentially, you do everything that Greenpeace does, except for you're invulnerable and you can't be arrested, right? Because you just demanifest or do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, I the other thing is the end of this episode. Tina's still out in the world. Uh huh. So I'm wondering if we're going to like there'll be like just things on the TV like that have her increasingly, you know, ramping up her war on the the forces of pollution and like Rick's going to have to do something about it at the end or will she get some kind of stable equilibrium or will we just forget that we ever had a planeteer or a planetina? Uh, I'm sure they'll make reference to it eventually. They like to do that. I did like the touch of her like big flower arrangement that looks like Morty's head. (laughs) Like it's slowly getting more and more haggard and horrified throughout the episode till it's like just like looks like a rotted face screaming while he's crying himself, uh, consoling himself in his mother's arms. And there's something hilarious to me about the like disproportionately epic nature of this relationship with his teenage life, with a normal teenage life. Right. Like he's texting her and he's like, "Uh, I got the flowers you sent me. Thanks. No one's ever sent me flowers before. And it's this fucking arrangement that like you'd see on one of those competitive flower arranging competitions shows Uh or whatever. Uh, And it's like the most gaudy, ridiculous thing you can imagine is the first time he gets flowers. And he's in this relationship that doesn't end with like normal teenage stuff, right? Like, oh, they (laughs) they said something to somebody that. You know, I I misunderstood or didn't like or they didn't Mm -hmm. go to my birthday party. They went and hung out with their friends instead. Mm -hmm. That type of shit usually ends teenage relationships here. It's like, well, you killed a bunch of people and you're now an eco terrorist. And I don't think I can be with an eco terrorist. So bye. Yeah. Yeah. Which is actually pretty mature for Morty. I feel like season one, Morty would have just become an eco terrorist along with her. Um. Uh, yeah, maybe so. But, you know, maybe he'd be naive been, and, and yeah, just follow along with whatever she wants to do. And there's other the, the tale of two Mortys in this episode, like his mom still sees him as Morty, the kid who has essentially made no character development since season one, episode one, when everyone kind of worried that he was said something wrong with him intellectually, developmentally. Um, yeah. versus this Morty who is self-assured and kind of his way and, and powerful and has been to hundreds of planets and survived hundreds of scrapes and is capable of biting off of persons firing and wielding it against him expertly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like this, this thing, he goes, this like this rant, he goes on his mom to his mom that like, you know, I've never fit in anywhere, not even this family. Every time I open my mouth to say something, people roll their eyes as if the act of listening to me is a chore. Um, 
I thought that was like a really interesting observation about, you know, what it's like to be a teenager in a family oh, yeah. who doesn't quite get you. This this you show one hundred percent these writers still get what it feels like to be a teenager. I like I remember that angst of like being old enough to feel like you want to have a life, but too young to really have one yet. Sure. It's like yeah. I want to go out there and I want to do all of these things, but shit, I'm fourteen and I can't. So yeah. like I've got I'm just counting down the days until I can be a real adult and treated like one. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it's it's funny also looking back at that as almost 40 year old man. Now it's like, oh, I wish I had stayed in that mode a little bit longer <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, you, you get past that and you you sort of think, man, those were the days when I had so many fewer responsibilities. And why was I so yeah. angsty about it? Uh Yeah. But when you're a teenager, man, you just want to get out of that fucking mode. You want to become a person you want to have a life and i I feel for morty there it sucks to be in between like you're too old to be naive and think your parents know everything and life is perfect but you're also you know and and it's also like you mentioned your experience as an older person i'm also have the added a benefit of having a real life 14 year old like a real life morty (laughs) smith living in my house and like seeing it from the other side of the parents side where it's like a decade ago you're shit in your pants and now you want to go out on a date like it's really easy to get gripped up of like looking in the back and seeing like what an idiot this person was because they didn't know anything and they're so naive and not looking ahead to like Jesus. And like, you know, I'm at the countdown. It's like, man, in another six months, this kid's going to be operating a motor vehicle. Mm-hmm. And a year after that, without adult supervision necessarily. And a year yeah. and a half after that, the fucking government could draft him into war. What or he can like, leave, leave the house and go do his own thing entirely. You and know? that's like, going to happen no matter what you do. So, yeah. like, what's the balance between trying to, keep, you know, remain, try to try to keep them safe and and uh, and, and inform, but also kind of letting go a little bit to recognize that they're they are going to have to be respo- responsibly manage their affairs. It's it's a real trick. And I don't especially when you got some destabilizing force like fucking Rick in in the mix. Yeah. Uh, sabotaging your efforts to parent and all that kind of stuff. Um, it uh, I I don't I don't envy I don't envy Bet Smith. Not <laughs> no, not not one little bit. Uh, Rick um, is speaking of um, Planetina still being out there. I assume Morty still has the rings, right? I yeah, although he never wore them after the one slaughter scene. Yeah, maybe he gave them up. Maybe he threw them in a river or something. Yeah, after what yeah. he did. I don't know, yeah. but I really loved when he blew up, uh, used Air's ring to blow up Dirt's head. <laughs> yep, yep. There was a lot of inventive uh, and the the using the dirt uh, or using the fire's ring to melt dirt and burn dirt. Uh, what uh, water with the lava pool? Yeah, uh, he got one of the, he got the last one with like all three of the other rings, which was pretty good combined. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was that whole sequence was funny. I love the the Arab sheik that was his own guy and doesn't want to be used as a symbol to hate other <laughs> Arabs. And yeah, uh, he gets eaten by a tank of baby seals mm-hmm. uh, before he can club them, presumably, and 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 make a coat out of them. Uh, I thought I thought that stuff was 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 pretty funny. Um, I also really like the game, the punch by lunch game. Because yeah. it's like an amalgam of like all the stupid gay family games, mousetrap, mm-hmm. don't wake daddy, uh, 
don't wake daddy or like whatever the one with the shark was where it bit a balloon and like all right. these things where you roll a dice and you click this thing and this this is just the epitome of those bad idea games where you're punching yeah. this guy until he throws up on you uh <laughs> i thought that was and and the the fact that the family is playing that as a first date idea with their son and his older girlfriend some of those games got pretty messy there's a pie one which like you you Every time you land on a certain square, you stick your face up to this thing, and there's I a played pie that game. You do? Fucking my nieces love that game back in the day. I forget what it's called, but like, yeah, I had to look a little catapult system to where you had to take a you had to take a chance getting pied in the face. Yeah, it, but but it was pretty messy. You know, it's an actual like cream pie yeah. you're gonna get hit in the face with. So I, I was a little disappointed when he punched his lunch, and it's just a bunch of plastic pieces coming out. I wanted something grosser. I wanted maybe some slime. I, I wanted yeah. something a little more uh, visceral. Yeah, get that Nickelodeon slime. Yeah. Uh, mix mix it up that so it really looks like he's messing himself. Although I have to say, uh, taking a cream pie from your dad, that's something you do in the last day. <laughs> last day of the planet, you know. True. Yeah, you, you want to say some of those some of those games, you want to not play the advanced mode until civilization is going to definitively come to the end the next day. Oh, yeah. You only play the cream pie game with your nieces and nephews, I guess. <laughs> Christ. Not your parents. Uh okay. Uh yeah, I guess I walked right into that one, huh? Kinda, yeah. Um what'd you think of the uh I looked it up as Kishibashi. Uh I am the Antichrist to you. This is how we ended the the episode with um the fuck? Rick and Morty's pretty good at the like emotional bangers. Like they had chaos, chaos, can you feel it when Rick uh tried to disintegrate his head after his experience with the planetary entity Unity? Uh we have this one. Um how can Rick and Morty be better at picking pop songs to go underscore emotional beats and like fucking The Walking Dead with literally ten oh. times the budget? I mean, yeah, The Walking Dead is they're trying something. It's it's never worked in the history of them trying it, but they're trying something. Uh, mm-hmm. Rick and Morty's going for I feel like a more tried and true method of pulling the heartstrings, and it works. Yeah. It works. What is Walking Dead trying? You think? I don't know. I couldn't tell. I you, think man. it's. I think it's seeing how little they can walk from the writers' room to the nearest Starbucks and seeing what's on the yeah. coffee shop collection. And ah, fuck this guy. Ah, or, you know, hey, which which of our former stars is trying to get a country music career off that we can just <laughs> right. get a free, you know, just license some shit for free. Do we have anybody under contract already? Can we just get them in here and do this? <laughs> uh, who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah, no. Uh, Rob Schraub wrote this episode. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, any. Plus, that's the other thing is like, I don't. Because like previous DVDs and Blu-rays commentaries have made it the point to where uh, Harmon tends to just make sure everyone's name gets spread around so that everyone gets like, you know, when you say that you are the head writer, that doesn't necessarily mean as much as it might in other shows. It just might mean that like you just like it was your turn to get credit for an episode Mm. Um, or maybe you had the final draft of it. But like the way their room works, I wonder like if that's still the case, Um, because it seems like they're making a big deal out of the writers this year maybe that's just because i don't know this uh this loveless guy uh seems like he's like rocketed it from like writer to executive producer and rob schraub is like you know Har- dan Harmon's best buddy they broke into hollywood together got their start work or writing the the animated series uh, show monster house 
uh got on was that channel 101 was their youtube kind of mm-hmm. like edgy comedy factory um came out of the same place in in uh, minnesota or wait is it milwaukee i can't even fucking remember my damn dan Harmon lore but uh yeah i'm curious to see what else he can come up with We try to make it super easy to support making podcasts at Bald Move. Just join the club. But some people aren't a joining type, or maybe they're already in the club but want to add a little bit of gratuity for an especially great season of coverage, or for a podcast that really spoke to them or gave them that bit of support in a tough time. For these, and for whatever other reason you might have, our tip jar is always open. Head over to support.baldmove.com and click the donate option to say, hey, keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate it. Once again, check out support.baldmove.com for all the great ways to help me and Jim keep making the podcast you love. Commission podcasts are an awesome feature here at Bald Move that allows you, the individual listener, to decide what we talk about for a single podcast. The community loves it because it often leads to fun fan favorite films and TV shows that we've overlooked getting the coverage they deserve. And we love it because we're constantly exposed to great stuff that's not even on our radar. The way it works is simple. You go to support.baldmove.com and you click on commissions. Then you pay the flat rate for the commission and tell us what two-ish hours of content you'd like us to make podcast on. Then we'll contact you for details, advanced feedback, and any dedications you'd like to make. Then we watch the thing, discuss the thing, turn it into a podcast, and pump it right into your ears. We get consistently great feedback on how much our commissioners love their podcast, and they make great gifts for the dedicated Bald Move fan in your life. And who knows, that dedicated fan could even be you. Treat yourself. Check out support.baldmove.com for more info. listening to quite a few bald move podcasts now but you're not in the club who boy you are missing out not only are all of our premium club podcast feeds completely ad free but we have lots of other great content exclusively for people in the club there's a weekly lunch with jim and aaron where we chat with fans about anything and everything from tv and films food fun life advice and more but there's also off the clock our premium podcast where we talk about all the shows we don't have time for on our public feeds Plus, you get access to our full spoiler-filled first-run movie reviews of our newly released films. Don't forget Instant Take and Talk podcast, where we give our hot takes and discuss television shows with our fans live and immediately after the episode airs. With mega shows like House of the Dragon coming this summer, we're going to have lots to talk about. Not to mention access to our fun and friendly community of club members, with exclusive Discord channels and a dedicated forum. It's one of the best places on the internet to hang out and chat about pop culture. Bottom line, you're helping two regular type guys in the Midwest make the content you like to listen to, which some would say is rewarding to itself. Help keep the lights on and the bits flowing at Bald Move. And get some awesome content for yourself. Head to support.baldmove.com to join the club today. Well, then it's time for feedback. We got a couple pieces of feedback this week. If you want to send in uh, some feedback, all you got to do is send an interdimensional cable message to Rick and Morty at baldmove.com and we'll read it. First up, EJ, 
So is this just me or have you noticed a severe lack of belching emanating from Mr. Rick Sanchez so far this season? I heard once that Justin Roiland has found the constant burping take after take, episode after episode, season after season to be increasingly difficult and annoying. Oh, yeah, Justin. Oh, yeah. Repetitive, crazy behavior, increasingly difficult and annoying. Hmm. 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 <laughs> Wonder what it's like for the others subjected to you. No. So perhaps there is a conscious effort by the voiceover team to eliminate Rick's trademark, albeit disgusting behavior moving forward, or maybe decoys don't burp. Mm, there's definitely burping in this episode. Yeah, I had it in my notes to talk about this because I, I noticed that a lot of the decoys um, not only weren't burping, but they also lack Rick's trademark vomit uh, schmear mm. on his chin. Yeah. And I was, you know, like, is that a surefire way to detect decoy or is that just because I think Rick is trying to do things a little bit healthier? Uh, And this episode is, I think, a regression, you know, him going on a full nihilist three planet pussy pounding session. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think it's safe to say it's with with your granddaughter is is a regression. But I think (laughs) I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that they're trying to show a little bit of personal development and. It could be, it could be. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, that's what people want to see. I think they want to see characters change and grow. And you can't go much further down than we started with Rick, right? Yeah. So you got to get him back on the upswing um, to some degree, and maybe he'll fall again. You know, it's it's not just a straight shot upward. That's usually characters. how these things work. And that's the thing yeah. is like, I've always said, it's like, it's not, you know, like they don't have to necessarily fear like, uh, Oh, if Rick gets healthy and learns a lesson, that means he can't be bad anymore. No, 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 right. No, right. No, that's not how we work. That's not how us humans work. <laughs> if all you needed is to get accurate information to, to make good decisions going forward, like shit, 99% of us would have this shit whipped, but you gotta, can you gotta contend with your limbic system, man. Yeah. Uh, and here to talk about that is uh, official therapist of the podcast, Tom Jones, uh, therapist from Atlanta here to talk about some Rick and Morty. This kind of goes to this whole thing. Uh, some brief comments about last episode. I think I really like this episode in the classic Rick and Morty style. You take an idea, draw it out to its most extreme version and let chaos ensue. I especially love that we got some recurring character cameos and felt that all the sci-fi jokes really landed for me. I especially liked Morty's like Westworld and later like Ex Machina lines only for Rick both times to say yes, but don't fuck them. Mm. Uh, yeah. Why is it always? I mean, I know why it always descends into fucking robots, because that's the first thing you do. If you develop right. a humanoid robot that uh, <laughs> was fully functional, you would give it a test. Fuck. Absolutely. I, I mean, look, is it? Our machines not there to satisfy our basic needs, right? That's right. the whole reason we fucking build machines is because we need to eat, we need to sleep, we need to, we want to fuck, yeah, uh, and we need shelter. We build machines to satisfy those needs. Robots are going to get fucked. I'm sorry, it's going to happen. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's you can argue about sentience and like what that means, but like you know, if we're just a, we're just, if you're just squeaky about fucking a machine, getting pretty preachy. The way you treat your neck massager, Tammy, you know, <laughs> if, if, right. if, if you ask for its consent before you flipped on the power button from low to high. No, I don't think you I think you just did it. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Tom continues. I keep struggling with this idea on Rick and Morty that I would love to hear your thoughts on. If a character can become clones, have alternate timeline versions, 
or exist inside holograms. Why do we care about personal growth? I love the serialized stuff they do here, but it'll start to feel hollow if I can't trust the versions of the characters I see on screen. For the silly episodes, it doesn't matter, but for the character growth episodes, I'd really like to trust the characters I'm seeing are in fact the characters I'm seeing. Love to hear your thoughts, and uh, the second there are more Dr. Wong scenes, you know I'll be here breaking <laughs> down my thoughts. Um, this is something we've talked about a decent amount. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking, uh, since, I, I, since I saw Tom's email earlier, I've been thinking about it more. What, what do you think? My initial feeling uh, is that the continuity of these characters is preserved by the show, whether they're the actual characters or not. Like, I, I don't think the show has ever reset the reset the characters of these characters. You know, if you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. they, they there is a line you can draw from season one, episode one to season five, episode three. And you can see growth in whatever version of Rick and Morty we're following right now. Right. Because Morty's dead. The, the original Morty is dead in the backyard. Uh and and replaced by some other Morty and we didn't we didn't even skip a beat right though that Morty right. was just our Morty now and I think that's where I come from with this is as long as the show has a continuity of development for characters that look sound like Rick and Morty I'm gonna be okay with you know whatever number of decoys clones robots whatever replace them I've been th- <sighs> Coincidentally, in the last couple of weeks, I've been reading about like some transhumanist thought on like simulation theory and whatnot. And this seems to me like a trap for just super uh, a nihilist trap for super smart people to fall into. But there's this thought that goes along the lines of this, that like if it's technically possible, if you squint to think that you could simulate an individual's experience then it's almost mathematically certain that that's happening at some point. Mm-hmm. And once it becomes possible, it's actually much more mathematically um, plausible that you are a simulation rather than you're in the prime existence. This is why Elon Musk is accepting Dogecoin, right? Yep. This is why <laughs> okay. smart people, they read this shit and they fucking go crazy. Check out Rocco's yeah. Basilisk if you want to see a supreme chance, uh, example of very smart people just shitting their pants. And please, please, if you're a Rocco's Basilisk subscriber, I would want to hear all about it in an email. I really do. Hmm. So send that in to Rick and Morty at ballmove.com. Encrypted, of course. We don't want the, the super smart alien robots to get any ideas. But like there's also this thing called like law of large numbers where it's like um, so if you have a simulation of a person, you know, uh, people are non-deterministic and there's big old asterisks on that because actually maybe people are deterministic. But like I think most people think that people are deterministic to where like if you took yourself and you simulated you a thousand times, there'd be a big old bell curve about like what you would do, like what you would choose to have for lunch. You know, it probably there's a big middle area where it's a Chipotle burrito. But then, I don't know, maybe today you went to Qdoba because Chipotle's was closed in your universe or something. All these little butterfly fluctuations make little minor. But if you ran a simulation over and over and over again, you could kind of say, like, Jim Jones canonically will do this for lunch, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's this idea that, like, if if you have these simulations and alternate versions of Rick and and, and his family... And as they play out over hundreds of episodes, if you see a certain type of moral arc bending through them, then you can kind of say with confidence that that is how the real Rick would behave. And I think they're actually 
this has been kind of subtext, but they're making it text. Like when Rick had that speech about like, I don't know if this makes any difference to you, but like if Rick made me and I was made by a Rick and I'm capable of, you know, experiencing a small bit of growth. And I mean, somewhere at some point buried deep inside the prime Rick can do the same thing. And I think that is the key, the Rosetta stone for the character development that like if any version is like if, if, if the parasitic wasp universe, Rick is capable of kindness and humanity, uh, then they all are with sufficiently strong stimulus. They can get there. So like, I think, yeah, it's not our Rick or our Morty, but if one of the Ricks or one of the Mortys can find happiness and love and peace that potentially that they all could. Um, and you're arguing about whether that's the sweet part of the be- the sweet part of the bell curve, or if it's like an outlier, like Rick finding peace and contentment, is that an outlier, or is that? And I think that's where it's interesting to see the the show explore. Yeah, and maybe as we see more versions of Rick and Morty, we can become more certain about what the outliers are and what they aren't. Um, right, and and sort of define who those characters are for ourselves in some ways. Um, right. But and it also paired with, you know, the concept of the Rickest Rick and the Mortiest Morty, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that finite curve stuff. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. It'd be funny. It also makes sense. That the Rickest Rick would be an outlier. Like, would you think that the Rickest Rick would be clustered right in the middle of like the core behavior of the Ricks or would he be like at one extreme end or the other? And I guess it depends how you like, answer that question tells you whether. Yeah. You know, and are you interested in the Rickest Rick, the Rick that's so Rick that he's broken and incapable of like that could be the Rickest Rick by Rick's own definition. But, you know, the other Ricks might be grateful that they're not the Rickest Rick, you know, like mm-hmm. what what prize do you get for being the Rickest Rick? It seems like uh, <laughs> there's no nothing good. It's all just pain and misery. And even when you're happy about something, your happiness is robbed by the knowledge that it ultimately is meaningless in the grand scheme of the infinite cosmos. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if that helps. I don't think that even makes any fucking sense, but it's the <laughs> stuff I've been thinking about the last couple of weeks. Uh, Cy writes in and says in this episode, Rick mentions that the decoys cannot live, leave the earth. So I mentioned uh, that there was some people that are undergoing. There was two rules that I think one of the Ricks gave that like uh, the decoy Ricks can't leave the earth. And uh, or well, the, none of these rules, he just said in general, the decoys uh, stay on earthbound, uh, non continuous, con- continuous adventures, which means that their their stuff doesn't have any continuity with the Smith family, which might have wrecked my previous statements. And also they can't leave Earth. And some people took that as like hardcore rules so that we can eliminate the reason you can trust that the, the Smith family coming in from the previous uh, uh, at the end mm. of the episode are actually our Rick uh, family is because they're coming in from the deep cosmos, which means they left the earth and they're having a conversation with Ro- uh, clone Beth, which is a part of the overall continuity. So they must be the prime family. The thing okay. is, is all this shit came from clone Rick or from decoy Rick. <laughs> and also uh, Rick didn't think that the clones would clone themselves or decoy themselves. So, it, so he's already he could been be completely wrong. wrong. Yeah. Yeah, so like if 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 the uh fucked up scarecrow Rick was telling you these, would you accept it as fact or just because right. you know it was a non-belching, non-throw up on his lips, but you're like, oh, I look kind of really I, I just don't understand why we think that that's any kind of gospel. Um but let's say that it is and go along with size point. 
Uh, do you think that the creator Rick has some kind of agreement with someone powerful on Earth not to leave the planet or an order from the Council of Ricks not to leave the planet like they do in court cases where they confiscate your p- uh, passport or just a foolproof rule set by creator Rick to not get killed by one of the decoys? Um, I assume it would be the latter. Yeah. If Rick is under some kind of restriction about leaving the Earth, it's the most violated restriction to the, the like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe he signed a treaty with Nimbus a long time ago that says he will forever remain confined to the planet. But like, he's not confined to the planet. So, nope. I think it's more of like the fail safe. Like, hey, mm-hmm. if I'm wrong about the duplicates rating duplicates, all they can do is fuck up this planet, uh, and we can just move to the corncob planet, and we'll be fine. Uh, I Were think... they able to travel interdimensionally? There's actually a roiling debate right now amongst the Rick and Morty fandom about if any interdimensional travel has happened this season, because all we've seen is like this weird non Rick portal gun portal that goes to Uh this place where the time is going faster. Doesn't mean it's outside of our universe. It just means that the local time dilation is faster. There hasn't been the trademark green portal this this season, and people are going mad about what the fuck, if anything, does that mean? (laughs) It just means they haven't done an episode that required interdimensional travel yet, right? Yep. But but like, and that's the question I have is like, are are Dan and Justin like watching the the new the people talk about this show and laughing their asses off because they just like, oh shit, yeah, we just didn't portal gun for three episodes and people are going wild. Yeah. Or did they know that people would go wild on this minutia and Mm -hmm. are like not doing a portal gun just to fuck with people? Or or the other plausible thing is no, it actually means something that they haven't portaled for three episodes. Sure. Um, and we're we're going to find out later what happens. Um, but yeah, I don't I, I have no fun. I don't I don't trust anything that the decoy Rick said about rules, especially since they again mm-hmm. were wrong because the n- core Uber number one thing they can't do is make more decoys. Right. So like this is Asimov robotics rule. Like if, if you got a robot that's broken rules two and three, then are you but you're going to be like, <laughs> but I swear to God, they didn't break rule one, you know, like. I, I I don't know. Yet. I don't know if I can trust those rules. Yeah. Uh, Psy concludes with also you guys mentioned that the first episode reminds you a lot of Netflix's dark and the menacing killing of the second episode uh, reminded you of the series Invincible. Do you guys ever have plans on doing a podcast on either of those shows? Oh, boy. Do I have a treat for you? We actually did a whole bunch of shows on Netflix's dark uh, search for dark and bald move. And we are coming up on doing someone commissioned a podcast on invincible, mm-hmm. which will be probably coming out sometime in August. If I were to guess uh, based on our recording schedule, but within a couple of weeks of, of, of like a mid to late August date anyway. Um, so yeah, they're, they're good news. You you can enjoy our dark. actually had our buddy Kim Renfro from the insider who's one of the foremost uh, dark experts come to talk about season two and season three with us too. So we've got quite a bit of coverage of dark and we'll have uh, at least one episode on on invincible, which I think will, will be pretty good. So check that out. Thanks. Thanks for uh, being fans. uh, Sai. And uh, if you would like to send us email, you can do so. It's real easy. Rick and Morty at ballmove.com. Send it in and uh, get a chance to have it read next week. Uh, that will do it for this week. We got next week independent spray, which damn, damn guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so topical to talk about the environment in a week where <laughs> Seattle is experiencing 118 degree heat and much of the country is on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, they set the ocean on fire last week. I don't know if you noticed that. I saw that. Yeah. Re- 
ripped a portal to hell right up in the Gulf of Mexico. It's pretty fucking incredible. Like really timely episode, but yet we we had Independence Day just last weekend, and we got this Rick Dependent spray next week. What the fuck, guys? <laughs> what the it, fuck did you did? Asking a lot for me to believe that they could, you know plant the seeds of not doing three portal episodes in a row and mastermind, you know, a whole thing around decoys and outer space and all that. And then fuck up on the weeks for releasing their independence day episode. Yeah. What the hell? You're just going to like read the calendar upside down or something. I don't know, but uh, that's what we got. A star spangled episode of, of Rick and Morty. Maybe Uh, we'll see. We'll see what this Rick dependent spray is all about next week. Until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you then. Pickle Me This is distributed and produced by Bald Move. All music featured on this podcast is from the Rick and Morty soundtrack, available from Sub Pop Records. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To discover the many other great shows we do, please check out baldmove.com If you appreciate what we do and want to directly support us, consider joining our club at patreon.com slash baldmove to get access to exclusive bonus audio and video features. Finally, you can follow us on your favorite social media at baldmove. See you next time.